I have a little saying on my wall up there that says a person who feels appreciated will always work mm-hmm. harder. And I think really, really appreciating my team, anyone, including everybody that's come to deliver packages all the way to set up and take down and event production, you know, technical AV, all of it. People need to feel appreciated feel valued and feel like they have ownership over their lane. And so that's one thing that I have found that has really helped me a lot in my career and being able to express appreciation and also being appreciated has motivated me to work even harder. Welcome to Events Demystified Podcast, where we explore and demystify the world of in-person, virtual, hybrid event AV production and technology by sharing insightful tips, tricks and tactics to make your events a success. This podcast is brought to you by Tree Fan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency. And your host is Anka Trafan, a technical event planner and producer with almost two decades of hands-on technical experience in event production. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Events Demystified Podcast, your one-shop stop for tangible technical planning advice for anyone in the events industry. Today's episode is sponsored by Trifan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency, and I am your host, Anka Trifan. On the show with me today, I have Faith Gladden, president of Gladden and Associates Event Management, a certified event professional and a certified exhibition manager that is highly skilled in both live and digital virtual event design and implementation with a high expertise in hotel contract negotiations, sponsorships, and exhibit sales, exhibit tabletop, floor management, as well as finding ways to express her creativity through her design skills and putting her special faith stamp on every event that she works on and she plans. When she's not working, Fate can be found rolling on the floor laughing with her grandsons, singing at church, or hanging with her family and friends. You can learn everything about Fate by following the links in the episode notes. There's going to be a lot of wealth of information about her passion and the things that she's involved with. In the meantime, let's welcome our guest in. Welcome to the show, Faith. Hey, Anka. Thank you so much. So glad to be here with you today. Me too. I see that your choice of glasses somewhat matches mine. I remember when we met at IMAX, you had the most like beautiful pair of glasses. And I was like, what is that? And how do you find those glasses? <laughs> yeah, glasses have become my new shoes. You know, once COVID hit and everybody switched over to being on Zoom all the time, no one could see my fancy shoes. And so I said, well, hey, I'm going to have to find something that people can see when I'm I'm on the screen. And so I started investing in glasses and I'm up to about 16 pairs of fancy glasses now. There you have it. It's in the open. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, Faith, I love your choice of glasses. I only Thank have one you. pair so far. <laughs> Prescription glasses. You know, there's a time when I actually liked wearing just glasses for the fun of uh, having glasses. And I used to have a whole bunch of other pairs. And now that my doctor is like, okay, this is a glasses 
glasses that you should wear, like, you know, when you work on your computer. And many times I totally forget about it. But before we get into our point of conversation, our topic, which today is going to be networking and successful relationship building tactics. What a wonderful topic to start the year with, right? Absolutely. I would love to get our audience to know a little bit the behind the scenes into your journey and how you got to be the event professional that you are today and what keeps you, what passion keeps you here still. Okay, sounds good. Well, I actually stumbled into event planning, to be honest. I was an executive assistant and was just kind of bored and looking for additional responsibilities. And my manager said, hey, why don't you help us with some of these events that we're doing? And then that kind of just really sparked my interest. And I loved it so much that I moved departments and started working in the training department and then just kind of took off from there, found that I just loved loved events and bringing people together. And it was a place that I could use my people skills and my organizational skills within one role. And so I just loved that, not being stuck behind a desk somewhere doing spreadsheets all day, but also being able to use my organizational skills to keep projects on time and track of things. So it was a match made in heaven, I like to say. I love it. Well, there's a little bit of like a spreadsheeting and yeah, random some, shows and some. budgeting and all those tabs, For right? sure. <laughs> For sure. But it's not all you do every day. It's and, true. you know, you get some variety. And so that was what really initially brought me into the industry. And then I had some really, really great mentors that just kind of helped me in my career path, told me what certifications to go for, what kind of training I needed to look out for and just how to meet people and network well, which has really projected me into a long-term career. I've been in the industry about 23 years now. So So what keeps you here after 22 years? I think all of the things that I've already said, but also just the fact that events are ever-changing. COVID hit us. We all had to pivot into the world of digital events and virtual platforms and all of that. And I think even before that, we always had new things that were happening in the industry and being able to always learn new ways to bring people together and to do that effectively along with meeting goals and objectives of having great outcomes and coming up with great witty ideas of how to change our respective industries. That is all very exciting to me. And just really bringing people together is what motivates me and keeps me impassioned. I love it. Well, because I also love to hear how people tackle adversity and challenges personally and professionally. I love to hear from you, what has stepping out of the comfort zone look like in your professional life if you ever felt like you were taken out of your comfort zone during the 23 years that you've been in events? So many times I've been taken out of my comfort zone. I you am still that. to meet someone that's going to say never. <laughs> you can't be an event planner and stay, you know, in your comfort zone 100% of the time, I don't think. So that's good to know I'm not alone. Everybody else has answered the same. But yeah, I think there have been many times where I was taken out of my comfort zone, times where 
where I had to, in front of a whole entire conference group of participants that I was involved with and speaking to them. I had never done that before. So learning how to speak in public was a big thing for me and coming out of that comfort zone of being behind the scenes and getting more in front of the stage, that kind of thing. That was one example. And then I think the biggest example that I can think of is during COVID, just all of the transitions that we were all going through, both personally and professionally, trying to figure out how to have meetings with children in the background and no school and having to spend time with my husband 24-7. Like, what is that? You know, definitely out of the comfort zone there. So, you know, just all of the transitions that we were going through as the world as a whole, but also then in our industry, trying to figure out how are we still going to keep moving forward and still bring people together in this new paradigm, in this new world that we're living in and doing all of the research and investigating different digital platforms, learning more about digital production than I ever thought I ever would and learning how to open up my mouth and network and say, hey, friends, I know you know more than me. Help a sister out. I need some assistance. I need some advice and being willing to just you know be vulnerable like that and say, I don't know what I don't know. Can you help me? Was really huge for me. So yeah, I learned a lot. That's definitely, you know, taking yourself out of your comfort zone, especially when you felt like for many years, you knew exactly how the event cycle goes. And you're basically in charge of every element of the things that you've done again and again, so many times. For sure. And COVID kind of sort of turned everything upside down and having to figure things all over again. It's not easy, you know, to be able to humble yourself and say, hey, I am an event professional and I've done events half of my life. And yet, here we are. There's things that I still don't know because we're doing things completely differently now. And to ask for help, what a big blessing that is. But, you know, it's a sign of good character, but also it's a humbling thing to do. It sure is very humbling, but also a growth opportunity, you know, and just being willing to say, hey, you know, I don't know. And like you said, that is very humbling, but it's also very gratifying to learn something new and to be able to depend on colleagues to help each other out. So that's been really, really fantastic. I couldn't agree more. Now, from some of the information and the research that I gathered from you and about you, Faith, because I kind of like to do my homework. Absolutely. Like every (laughs) professional out there, I suppose. For sure. Um, You do look, you know, and seem like someone, as you mentioned, that is quite passionate about hospitality and someone that you have this purpose in life of fulfilling and bringing people together in ways in which good things happen and in ways that opportunities happen for positive change and diversity and equity and inclusion. How do you do that type of work practically and how is that modeled in your professional and personal life? So I think that I have been really fortunate to work for some organizations that have allowed me to become aware in a way that aware of, number one, my privilege as a white person, as a woman, being aware of that, but also being aware of how to be more inclusive in just the questions that I ask or the way that I put out information to my audience. I'm thinking, do they have the same access? 
access that I'm thinking everyone has. No, maybe not. So we need to think of different mediums, different ways to distribute information. And I've been very, very fortunate to have some great mentors. I have an African-American husband who has really taught me a lot about what it is to be a Black man in America and the challenges that they face. I'm raising Black men. My sons are all very strong Black men who have given me a lot of insight on how to understand and think differently and think better and more inclusively. And so I feel very, very blessed to have had these mentors and teachers in my life. That is such an excellent point because I remember talking to some of my good friends that are people of color. One that comes to mind in particular because we're really close in the industry and do events together quite often. He was sharing some of his struggles growing up and upbringing himself in this industry where not everybody looks like you. And yeah. what a challenge that is. I mean, many times for us as women, you know, especially in event productions, that can be a challenge because for many years, I know for myself, two decades in the industry, there is a lot of men that I work with. And not only that they do not look like me, but they don't feel like me. They don't perceive like yeah, me. They don't sure. engage like me. And sure. when I was sharing some close friends that I could open up to some of the challenges that I'm facing, they would be really honest and say, well, we're not experiencing the same thing. I'm like, but of course not. Yeah, how could you? Exactly. <laughs> so Why would you the, experience that? Yeah. Exactly. So having the opportunity to actually be surrounded by such close close people around you that can open your mind and your eyes to some of the challenges that you just can't possibly be able to experience because you don't live their life, you don't live in their shoes. It's an opportunity, like you said, and I'm so happy to hear that not only that you became aware, but you're able to actually apply that and model that in your life and in your professional networking and conversations sure. and all the influence that you have in that space to be able to allow others to see you know, some of the things that now you you've been exposed to. Now that we touch a little bit on networking, I feel like you can't do networking right without maybe having learned some hard lessons and done some maybe mistakes prior to doing For it sure. right. For I remember sure. when I first got on LinkedIn, I had no network and I didn't really know where to start. I wanted to connect with people, but I didn't know how to do it right. And in the process of learning how to do it right, I lost some really good connections. And one in particular, you know, as much as I wanted to have that connection in my professional life has no bandwidth now for my lack of experience of how to do LinkedIn the right way. <laughs> so I suppose one thing that I personally learned from that unfortunate hard lesson was networking is very personal and you can't just lean on somebody else's network. You've got to build your own, invest yes. time that for is sure. most likely going to take some time to do it right and build uh, connections, build relationships. And you will certainly see the benefits in time, again, if you've done mm -hmm. the groundwork. So turning the question back to you, Kate, before we get into how to do it right, have you experienced or what were maybe some of your biggest networking mistakes on LinkedIn or in person? And what did you learn from them? 
Yeah, definitely have made many, many, many mistakes along the way. I think the biggest mistake, and to really answer this question, honestly, Anka, I need to kind of allude to the right way. Okay, let's start uh, with the right way. Well. I guess I skipped yeah. a step. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I'll, I'll just spin it around. But basically, you know, I find that when you're networking, most people are approaching conversations with what can you do for me? How can you help my life? How can you improve me in some way? And I have really found that the key for me is to really approach every conversation and every interaction with what can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I enhance your experience in whatever it is that we're doing, right? And that all that planting those seeds always comes back to me a thousandfold. And I think people really understand the genuineness of me really trying to say, hey, what can I do for you? And how can I help you? And knowing that will come back to me. So there are many times that I approach different conversations or different interactions with what can you do for me? And that really came across to the other individual or the other entity that I was dealing with. And it's it's a turnoff. And so folks don't want to be pestered. They don't want to be bothered. And they also don't want to be used. And so when they feel as though you're just in it for a transaction or you're just in it for what can you provide for me or using them, so to speak, it does come across. And so I find that if you're just honest and transparent and truly genuine in wanting to help others, that that comes back to you a thousandfold. I couldn't agree more. And I like that first tactical step that we started the topic with, how can you help the other person? But here's one conundrum to that. Before you get to know someone or before they get to know you, it's hard for them to answer with, how can I help you if they don't know much about you and your bandwidth or what do you yeah. do that could be of support to me? And I feel like before you even get to that point, you still have to have some type of rapport that's established or a little bit of conversation or maybe, you know, if we come back to LinkedIn, like follow them for a little bit, see what they're about, see what they're posting about, see what they're interested in, see what they're passionate about. I think my biggest turn off on LinkedIn is when somebody requests a connection and then right off the bat, they send me a message with this, this, this request. And I'm like, you didn't even get to know me, nor did I get to know you. And you think I'm just going to respond to that. That's just not going to happen. It's like, warm me up before you get me to bed. You know, it's like we gotta do a few steps <laughs> prior to it. Give me a little kiss before exactly we date me. Exactly. Right. I got you. I got you. So yeah. to your to your point, to your first point, tactical point number one, right? Like, how can you help the other person? How would you go about to get this dating relationship happen with a total stranger sometimes? Yeah, I think it's taking a genuine interest in them, asking questions about what it is they do, what it is they're experienced in, what it is they're looking to accomplish in the next month, six months, year of their life, what's happening in your world. And then by listening intently, you can say, okay, is there a way for me to add to that or to help them in any way in those objectives or goals? I truly care about your 
podcast, right? Okay, so I'm asking you questions about how long have you been doing it? What are the outcomes? What are you interested in seeing happen as a result of your podcast? Those things that really bonded us together at IMAX this year and not just... And the glasses. And the glasses. <laughs> the glasses were key too. But that was a connection, right? It wasn't Absolutely. all of it, you know? I think it's just being genuine, also being brave, not being afraid to step out of the comfort zone that we talked about earlier, not being afraid to step out and just say, hey, you know, I would love to get to know you. I noticed you have this amazing podcast going on and would love to hear more about that. You know, and I find that most people are happy to talk about what it is they're passionate about and that they're excited about doing and they're happy to see if there is a way that you can help them. Okay, so tactical step number two, get out of your comfort zone and ask questions. Yeah. Let's add a third step to this. Now, let me ask you, is it easier? Do you find that it's easier for you to network in person versus online? And is there any drawbacks to any of the two if you were to make a comparison? I think that it depends on what type of networking that I'm doing, right? So if I'm going out looking for business, looking for clients, I find that the easier way to do that is to start online and then to kind of give them some information, warm up that kind of way. When I'm networking, if I'm looking for vendor relationships or in my personal life, friends, that kind of thing, I find online way too impersonal for those types of personal relationships. So I always would prefer to do in-person networking, particularly when it's something that I'm looking for a service around. Does that make sense? Yep. All right. So now we're going back to the beginning of the question with the biggest mistakes, networking mistakes that you shouldn't make, or if you've made them, maybe not repeat them. Why would those be for you? For me, being a pest, you know, not taking no for an answer or not being sensitive to the responses that I'm getting and feeling as though I was really trying to show I'm a go-getter and I'm not going to give up and I'm no quitter. And in reality, they were just like, girl, please, can you stop? Leave me alone. And um, just, you know, on and on and on calling and emailing and following up. And it got to the point where they, a couple of my friends called me and they were like, listen, I'm going to unfriend you <laughs> if you don't stop, you know. So how many times like, is too many easy. times? I think that's a bit of a tricky thing. I think if you get two or three no's, then a fourth one would probably be pushing it. So here's one interesting perspective on this because I was just talking to someone and we were talking about newsletters and emails. And one thing that he said was, you know, until I get the third email from you, I will not even pay attention to the first few. I only notice that you just sent a third follow-up for me to actually notice. Seriously. Like, How uh, interesting is that? That is very interesting. And now interesting. if I think about it, like many times that has happened to me and probably you as well, where mm -hmm. there's something that hits your inbox and you're just going to go delete, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Or sure. spam, spam, spam. And you see the same person come again the second time and probably do the same thing. The third or the fourth time at this point, you're like, who is this person and why do they still bother me? Maybe I should read that email. <laughs> 
and then sure. I either respond and yeah. say, I appreciate your persistence, but I'm just not interested at this time. Or then for real, I spent like block, whatever, something. Yeah. Depends yeah. on like what the connection is. If they're just out of the blue, like, who are you? Like, I have absolutely no connection. Or if at least there's a connection or they're like, hey, I'm a friend of a friend of a friend or something. There's something yeah. there. Yeah. Then yeah. I would take the time to be more generous with my communication, you know. For sure. For sure. But isn't that interesting, though? That is very interesting. And it does make sense. As we're talking about it, I'm thinking the same way. You know, there's a lot of emails that I'm like, delete, delete, delete. But then maybe if I keep getting the same... I find I think it's a fine line. I feel like it's a very fine line, right? For sure. It is. To me, it's a little bit different when it's business solicitations versus like an email from an MLM. Or or (laughs) yeah, MLM or or somebody who knows somebody that I know. That's slightly different to me. And as you said, you know, you're a little bit more careful with your communication with those types of I guess context matters. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, Faith, before we continue this awesome conversation, because we're finding all kinds of topics to deviate from our main topic, but I love it. We're going to just take a short break to acknowledge our podcast sponsor, and we'll be right back with our future guest. Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifan Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifan Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. To find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable, go to trifunevents.com. Getting back to today's topic of conversation, networking and successful relationship building tactics with our featured guest today, Faith Gladden, president of Gladden and Associates Event Management. Okay, Faith, when it comes to successful relationship building strategies from the vantage point of my vendors and my event partners, and especially with my production event crews and the teams that many times I have to build from scratch event after event, while many times the timing that takes, it's really crunch and there is not much of a time to build much of a strong foundation for this long lasting relationship. I personally like to reinforce and keep open line of communications being my right off the bat. That's my first strategy and a safe space for people to be able to come back and say, okay, here's the issue. Can we talk about it? Or, you know, there's always going to be some type of an issue during an event. For sure. Some type of a concern. Also, for me, it's important to have a clear 
and somewhat of a achievable purpose for why are we here and what are we doing? And as we're working for this event, just give it a good context for the people that I'm working with many times new to the event and to the client to yeah. have a better understanding of, you know, why are we here? Why are we trying so hard? Yeah. Yeah. The that we do. And then another thing that's super important for me is defining team roles, because what I've learned over the years of yeah. working event production, especially with sometimes very strong personalities with lots of expertise, but that also comes with a bit of ego by default. Yeah, you know? for sure. It's for important sure. to know here's, you know, the team role and this is the hierarchy of how things will go down. And then on my part, obviously it's important in order to be successful to make every effort to not micromanage people. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. also trust that they have an ability, they have an expertise and lean on their strength, on their skills that they could do an even better job than I could do myself. And that's the reason why they're there in the first place. Now, for sure. again, those are my strategies in a nutshell. And from working in events for two decades, like you mentioned yourself, and having to navigate some interpersonal and professional relationships behind the scenes that take a lot of, you know, white gloving and care. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, things can just fall apart. And there's nothing worse than, you know, having your team just not get along for the main purpose of making one event successful. So I would love to hear from you, what would you like to add, or maybe turn it upside down when it comes mm -hmm. to your own successful relationship building tactics that could benefit our audience today? So I think the only thing that I would add, I, I really liked everything that you said. Communication is super key. Identifying what success looks like, really spelling it out. This is why we're here. And this is what we want to see have happen at the end of this. Everybody will say this X, Y, and Z happened. So I feel like that's really, really super key. The thing I would add is I have a little saying on my wall up there that says a person who feels appreciated will always work mm -hmm. harder. And I think really, really appreciating my team, anyone, including everybody that's come to deliver packages all the way to set up and take down and event production, you know, technical AV, all of it. People need to feel appreciated, feel valued and feel like they have ownership over their lane. And so that's one thing that I have found that has really helped me a lot in my career and being able to express appreciation and also being appreciated has motivated me to work even harder. Do you do that verbally or do you show that through like sometimes, for example, I've worked with event planners and I've been the event planner myself where I would just bring literally a cooler of drinks on an event site or bring the coffee with bagels in the morning, especially if you have a super early startup day. Do you like to add anything to that, things that you've done that were super helpful? And again, that's how in a way you show appreciation by the fact that you are aware of some of the needs that when you're on the event site for 14, 18 hours, Hours. Sometimes you don't even get a chance to get lunch. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's super helpful. And just thinking about that from your team's perspective, like saying, hey, this is going to be a long day. So when can I schedule in some breaks or when can I bring some cookies or a snack or whatever, drinks, that kind of thing. I also find that folks really like to see their name somewhere. So I send a lot of messages, company-wide messages, acknowledging, you know, hey, Anka just really blew it out of the water during this conversation that we were having with 
with the client and wanted to acknowledge her and thank her for that. Or, you know, send in little cards. I'm big on, I like getting snail mail. I think my friends like getting snail mail. And so I'll send appreciation cards in the mail, you know, hey, thank you for doing this. And I also really enjoy the occasional Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts gift cards for coffee or things like that. I think appreciation goes a long way. For sure. What about clients? How do you appreciate your clients that we work with? Because I feel like that can be sometimes a like, I don't know, how would I go about it so that it's not awkward or it's not tacky or any of those things, you know? So I've gone about that a couple of different ways. The main thing that I try to do is find out about my clients' personal stuff. So I always remember anniversaries. I always remember birthdays and send company branded something as a gift or things like that. But also just, I think the best way to show appreciation is by delivering excellently every single time and then showing them that their trust is worthy of bringing forth excellent products and events. And then I think I do the Christmas cards and things like that. But I think on a more case-by-case basis, depending on the relationship. I have some clients that I'm super, super close with. So I send gifts and then other clients that I'm just starting out building relationships with. I don't want it to seem manipulative or tacky. And so I wait until the relationship is established a little bit more before going all the way into giving and things like that. I like that. Now, since we're recording the episode, basically, just as the holidays approach with the intent to air our episode beginning of the year, as you can see, I do have my stocking on the wall. Nice, nice. (laughs) Which is going to be very timely for a January release. I would love to ask you, you know, from a networking relationship building strategy, especially because, you know, at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is to serve more clients with our skills and expertise. What are some of your test strategies to connecting with your future clients and fill your pipeline for the year? I mean, it's beginning of the year. Everybody's thinking of like, what does this year is going to look like, especially post-COVID, pre-recession, nobody knows what's going to happen. How are you going about that? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) Honestly, I am doing as much as I can to get involved in different event associations. I'm very, very involved in the DFW chapter of MPI. I actually recently started serving on their board for my chapter and just really being able to network at different chapter events. I'm also a member of site and some other, you know, IE, different associations like that and meeting different folks that need assistance, always reminding them that I'm there and then planning to do some marketing emails and that kind of thing toward the end of the year, wrapping things up and saying, hey, we're here. So those are my strategies. How about you? Basically, because it's been a crazy, crazy busy year, I've intentionally booked, as we're in December, I booked my month to be completely open for end of year everything. And yes, Mm -hmm. I am recording for the next year as far as podcasts goes. And I have a few other podcasts that I produce for my clients. But when it comes to actually traveling and uh, going to events, I've had a few opportunities that I had to say no, because Mm -hmm. I need this time and space to be able to refocus my mind onto what are the things that I want to do more of 
in 2023 mm-hmm. and some of the things that maybe I should do less of and say no to because as much as I love opportunities sometimes you have to be able to discern between the things that you should be doing and things that maybe are not the right timing or maybe are not the things they should be doing in the first place and I came to a place where I've done so much of everything that I just burn myself out <laughs> that's yeah. not good if yeah, I take myself out of the game either <laughs> so that's sure. where I'm at I'm like here's my strategy I need to be able to recollect, you know, myself, be able to think of the things that worked and take note of the things that need changing and then do implement some of those changes for the next year. And then there's also this up in the air. I have no idea how 2023 is going to pan out any different than 2022 because 2022, beginning of 2022 was just the same. There's a lot of unknown with, I think, Omicron at the time. And there's a lot of events that were planning to, postpone or they weren't sure I'm getting a bit of that right now because of the recession and people just Mm -hmm. kind of sort of waiting until last minute to make important decisions which obviously is never helpful to any of us you know partners (laughs) vendors planners planners, none of it and at the same time whenever I was concerned that okay I don't know if this is going to be a good year or not it was more the plentiful to do and more events that I could you know tackle and and just being open for the things that, again, align with the things that I want to do more of. I feel like that's been my strategy and it's worked so far. So I'm leaning that's on awesome. that more. <laughs> yes, that's good. Wholeheartedly agree. Got to be able to put on your own mask before you can assist others, right? Absolutely. Okay, so as we are about to come to a close here, switching gears a little bit, here's one question that I've been asking every one of my future guests, and I'd love to ask you as well. From your vantage point, what are some of the known or unknown opportunities for women in events that might want to pursue a career, either as starting in events for the first time or maybe changing paths? or learning new skills, anything that would be helpful? Yeah, so I think two things. Like me, don't be afraid to ask for new opportunities. I was an executive assistant that was bored in my role and looking for something new to do. And it catapulted me into a whole new career that I have absolutely thoroughly enjoyed. And then I would also say take classes. A lot of colleges have event management, hospitality tracks as degrees focus and then join association, you know, MPI, PCMA, IAE, all of these different site industry associations that can give you tools and knowledge that you might not have been aware of. It's fantastic networking opportunities. It's also great educational opportunities growth opportunities so i love that and sometimes you know maybe start your own chapter or what's the first one it's club first one is a club if you have enough interest you know enough event planners around you i'm actually on path here to start a club first before we can even turn it into anything else bigger because where i'm locally positioned there is no mpi chapter club and i am Mm -hmm. an mpi overall member but without a chapter. A chapter. And wow. you miss out on those person connections and networking events and educational opportunities. So you're like looking around like, okay, so what else could we be doing? How about we start our own then? <laughs> I love that. 
I've really wanted to start more of an online community too, with regard to networking online and connecting folks that might not get to meet together in, in person. So let's talk more. So how about the 2023 plans to start that and get that <laughs> off the ground? <laughs> Are you putting it down on you're your giving list? Me, you're giving me food for thought. Giving me food, food for thought for sure. That's, that's awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation so far, Faith. And in closing, what is one last piece of advice that you have for any other event professional, meeting professional out there? Something that you wished you knew in the beginning stages of your career that we haven't mentioned yet? I can't think of anything that I haven't mentioned yet. I would just say, be brave, ask questions. Don't be afraid to admit you don't know something. Everybody's been there in that position before. And I have found on the whole, as an industry, event planners generally want to help each other. They love helping others. And so just be brave, ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. So Step over your comfort zone if that's what it takes to that's be brave. Right. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for sharing all your learned wisdom and everything that you share so far, you know, from mistakes and just doing it right. Where can our audience connect with you, Faith? They can connect with me multiple ways on my website at gladdenevents.com. Let's spell Gladden for anyone that is just listening in and not tuned in video. Sure, no problem. It's G like girl, L like Larry, A like apple, D like dog, D like dog, E like Edward, N like November. GladdenEvents.com. Fabulous. Anywhere um, else that you like to hang aside from your website? Sure. Social media um, panels. LinkedIn at Gladden Associate Events or Facebook at Gladden Events, Twitter at Gladden Events, Instagram, Gladden Associates. Love it. We're going to have all these links for everyone that's listening in the episode notes. So don't be afraid that you will miss any of the opportunities to connect with fate. And as far as we're concerned, this is it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And do check out the episode notes again for the links that we mentioned for ways to connect with fate. And also thank you to anyone that has been listening all the way till the end. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast, whatever you listening to and follow our brand new youtube channel that has probably one follower right now which is <laughs> me <laughs> we're growing that as a way to post some of those videos as a platform for everyone that loves youtube more than anything else apparently there's a whole lot of people that love youtube more than they love the other platforms and we're trying to grow that thank you fate for joining me i hope you have a wonderful rest of the year holiday season and when more airing this out in 2023 in the future i hope that 2023 pans out to be the best year that you've had yet same to you Anka. thank you so much many many blessings for a great holiday and a very prosperous 2023 thank you so much for allowing me to be your guest today thank you for listening to the events demystified podcast if you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to review it, rate it, and share it with other event professionals that could benefit from it. Connect with us on social at Events Demystified Podcast. We would love to hear from you and what you're up to. If you'd like to learn more about Tree Fan Event Services and find out if we're a good fit in supporting your event, can we help your event be successful with a 20-minute free consultation? Link in the episode's notes. Thanks for tuning in.